uh, as we uh, head to the summer break, we're uh, doing a, a special uh, two weeks on uh, Her Needs, His Needs. We flipped the title a little bit. Last week we looked at, and who better to teach it than me, what a woman needs from a man. And it just seems appropriate that I would know that after all of these years. <clears throat> Let me just remind you a little bit. What we said was as you looked at the scripture, you got a job description, if you will, for what a godly husband ought to be. And that's what we said. We said, listen, and this is, I think this makes sense. I don't know that I expressed it correctly, but I think it makes sense. Rather than guess or take a survey from Cosmopolitan or ask a sociologist what women need, let's do this. What does God say a husband <coughs> excuse me, should be? And the idea is that what he says a husband should be, I would assume, would meet the needs that a woman has. And what we looked at last week is indeed we think that is true. Here's what Scripture says, job description of a husband is number one, he's a provider, 1 Timothy 5.8. Number two, he's the teacher. Number three, he's to be the leader. And then we spend a lot of time on the fourth area, he's to be a lover. Uh, husbands, love your wives, Ephesians 5.25. And we said that that love was a uh, sacrificial love, that it was a love that said, I'm willing to set aside not, not only uh, my own well-being in that I'm ready to die for you, but I'm actually ready to live for you. It's a cleansing love. A husband is concerned about the purity and the holiness of his wife. It's a nurturing love. Uh, we said that a husband, here's the picture that Paul uses, just as you love your own body, you are to love your wife. And, the, uh, and, the, uh, and some have distorted this to say you can't love others until you love yourself. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is the most natural thing in the world when you're hungry is to make sure you eat. Uh, when you're tired is to make sure you rest. And he says just as you care for yourself, have that care for your wife. And then he said lastly, this love is a permanent love. A uh, 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 a man shall leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, and the two become one flesh. So what we said, or tried to say at the end is, in these four areas, provider, teacher, leader, lover, we see God, through this design, meeting the, some primary needs that the woman has. Uh, the need for financial security. Uh, the need for communication. He's a teacher. This whole process of teaching is not just me speaking. It's communication back and forth. It's the leadership role that says, here's what's going to happen. Here's how we're going to do this. And there's security in that. And then lastly, this idea of a lover. And we said, as we looked at it last week, that, uh, that the number one need that women uh, seem to have is for affection. And when they say affection, they don't just mean, uh, you know, here we go. Uh, physically, it means there's flowers and there's romance and there's all this other stuff that they... <laughs> think they need for some reason. But that, all that aside, let's get down to the real important thing. What does a man need? And that's what we look at today. What does a man need from a woman? And I made the same error there that I made last week, so I'm going to use the terms interchangeably, but understand what we're saying. This is what a husband needs from a wife. Okay? What does a husband need from a wife? I, I'm going to go ahead. I'll let you uh, take a second and... Uh, Maybe just get in your mind uh, the top two or three things in your mind that a husband 
needs from a wife. And uh, some of you have been around for a while, so this exercise may be uh, not new to you, therefore you're going to nail this cold. But take a second and maybe uh, in your mind come up with a list of uh, two or three things uh, that a husband needs from a wife. rest. Uh, here you go. Here's the, here's the number one thing. And I mean, those of you that have been around this for a while, please don't answer. But maybe if you haven't been or haven't been through this drill before, what, what would you think those, those top two or three things would be? Encouragement. Encouragement. Companionship. I was thinking more of the women, but it's interesting here. The encouragement, Respect. companionship. What was that? Respect. 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 Trust. Trust. Where's sex in this thing? What are you, nuts? Or what's the deal here? <laughs> I, indeed, I, I think what you're going to find uh, here is we used last week, we used the, the words from uh, a book called His Needs, Her Needs. Here's the top five things that he says uh, in this book. Harley, Willard Harley says, number one, respect, and I do think that's it. Number two, sexual fulfillment. Number three, recreational companionship. Like, I want to play golf with Susan. Number four, um, I don't buy that one. Number four, an attractive spouse. And he does not mean this beautiful woman, but well-kept, attract, that kind of thing. And number five, domestic support. Um, I'm going to give these to you. Here's what I've done in the past when I've taught this. We don't have the, we don't have the ability to do it here. But I play... Uh, take three minutes and play Phil Collins singing a groovy kind of love because in this song are what I use as the three things that a man needs. Here you go. Rather, since it's not here, I'll just go ahead and sing it. Oh, I think not. But here's what, where's where Collins says at the very beginning. When I'm feeling blue, all I have to do is take a look at you and then I'm not so blue. When you're close to me, I can feel your heartbeat. I can hear you breathing in my ear. Wouldn't you agree, baby, you and me got a groovy kind of love? Okay? Here's what I think is in there. And I, when I hear this, I see him holding her. I hear this, this intimacy. It's not quite sexual intimacy. I do think it's that area of respect. I'll give you a little tip, gals. Every husband desires his wife to look at him with that Nancy Reagan gaze. I was just watching some video uh, the other day. I watch, uh, I watch a lot of Dutch and, and a lot of the, the films of, of this certain ones I look over at again, and I watch him a lot. And there was a time where he's, I, I don't even know where he was, giving this speech. And there's that classic Nancy Reagan gaze. It, it's that gaze that says, you know what, I know that there's other things going on, but it really doesn't matter because it's you. That's all I really care about. There's a classic scene in On Golden Pond where, remember the story? Henry Fonda, and they, they come and they open up the cabin, and, and there's some pictures as they open it up, and there he is swimming as a robust young man and, and then his business career. He goes out to pick berries, and he's out picking berries, and all of a sudden he's disoriented, and he comes racing back. And he's perspiring, and he's got a bucket that uh, it has not a berry in it. And he sits down on the porch, and Catherine Hepburn comes up behind him. 
and, and, and basically says what's wrong. And he's communicating, I can't even pick berries anymore. And she puts her arms around him. And she says, you're my knight in shining armor. And I'll always love you. And in the midst of this, you can almost, it's almost like they just stuck an air hose into him and just pumped the air of the life back into him. I assume, ladies, you have figured out that men are essentially 90% ego. And that ego, that ego uh, desperately needs to be stroked. Uh, that's why, uh, for example, that's why, and, you, and, that, and that explains his, his somewhat irrational behavior. So you're in a car, and you're going to somebody's house. It's a house that you've been to a dozen times. He's never been to. He's a little uh, confused. You're at a stoplight. He's uh, clearly lost, and you say to him, turn right. And at that moment, he only has three options, straight, left, and reverse because there's no way that he's going to go right. You've robbed him. You, you've made it impossible for him to make the right decision. It's your fault at that point. You know, so he will go left. He will go left until left becomes a right. That's what he will do in that process. Susan and I are one day, this is the, oh my, we're on summer vacation. It was about this time of year. We're in, Chicago, we're in San Francisco at rush hour. And we used to rent, because we travel very heavy. We, had, we used to travel with a huge suitcase of just toys for kids. We, have, we travel very heavy. Well, we would always rent the Lincoln. You used to be able to rent a Lincoln town car for like $139 a week. It was cheaper than, than most cars. And you didn't have vans and stuff then, so we always rented the Lincoln. Well, the cars, or the, the, the streets in San Francisco are about this wide. And, and we're lost. We've got to get to the airport, SFO, to catch a flight. It's rush hour. We've missed our turn. Susan has the map. I'm saying, how hard can it be to read the map? She's saying, here, why don't you read it? And I said, clearly I'm driving. All I'm asking you to do is understand the next street. We're, there's a guy behind me that's just pounding on the horn. I'm saying to him, I'm driving the Queen Mary here. I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> he went around me. This is real good. Uh, kind of flipped me off and had a bumper sticker on that says, Visualize World Peace, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> We're at, oh, about 3rd, 4th Street in Mission. There's a Chevron station there. And she's saying, go, just go in there and ask that guy where we are. And I'm saying, look, at, he doesn't even speak English. Read the map. You got the map. That's the point. But see, even in the midst of all of that, and I think to this, I remember looking in the back, and the girl's eyes were probably this big. I don't think they'd ever seen me quite as uh, boisterous as I was at that moment. <laughs> See, that explains all of this. He needs from you that respect. And that's why I assume you as ladies don't understand what you're doing to your husbands when you start talking about other people's new homes as compared to this little shack you live in. When you start to talk about so-and-so just got the job and this guy just got a promotion and you're still working for this, you're verbally castrating this guy. You're killing him. 
He comes home from work and it's the big appointment of the day and the big meeting and, and, and you say, well, what did you say? And he tells you and you say, what did he say? And you say, what did you say? And pretty soon you're going, why wouldn't you say this? And why didn't you do this? And why didn't you do this? You're just destroying this guy. Remember we made the point last week when I'm standing in the bookstore and the lady comes up to me and says, the problem with men today is they're wimps. If you have a marriage where the husband's not leading, you have to ask yourself why. And oftentimes, you can look in the mirror and find the reason. You, you've driven him. You've humiliated him. You've explained to him. You know, you, you know, you know what it's like when somebody talks to you that way. You know when you talk to a child, you can't do that, and you can't do that, and you can't do that. The pretty soon the kid says, hey, I can't do that. And what you've communicated to this guy is those things that are so important to you, he can't provide them. I will tell you, as a guy, understanding that guys are 90% ego, he needs your respect. He, he needs to know that it doesn't matter about anybody or anything else that he's your man. Here's the second thing. When I'm feeling blue, all I have to do is take a look at you, and then I'm not so blue. When I kiss your lips, ooh, I start to shiver can't control the quivering inside wouldn't you agree baby you and me got a groovy kind of love here's the second thing he needs sex uh, so important and i got all this stuff figured out you know when you talk to you talk to women you know and they, what is, well um you know affection and all this is okay here's what they, if you say to a woman hey okay, does your husband love you yes how do you know well, you should see what he does. You know what he did the other night? He cooked dinner for me and then kind of sent me in and said, go take a bubble bath or something and I'll do the dishes. This is all theory, by the way. <laughs> and, then, and then when I came out, he had the kids to bed. and It was just great. And, you know, he brought me a flower. The other day he called me from the office just to say, you know what? Hey, I don't have time to talk. I'm just thinking of you. Really love you. Bam. I mean, there's a lot of mileage. Guys, that's 15 seconds. There's a lot of mileage in that one right there. Well, but now you say to a guy, does your wife love you? You go, yeah, how do you know? Five times a week. Bah, bah, bah. That's how I know. That's how I know he, she loves me. We're in there. That's how I know. Right? It, it, it's interesting. But the scripture says in, in Titus 2, younger or older women teach the younger women to love their husbands. And that means not only to understand them, that, that means not only in, in that social way and all those other, just as we talked about, does a woman need nurturing? Sure. Does a man need to be nurtured? Sure. But, but also to communicate, and I think it needs to be done, that, that a husband has physical needs, just as I presume a wife does as well. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul's uh, talking about this. He's writing to this church that has had their problems in the area of immorality. And here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 7. He said, Now concerning the things which you wrote, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. Now, uh, he's not using husband-wife. See, there's that same term we made. It's, he's talking about two people who aren't married. That, that term not to touch is a, is a euphemism for sexual intercourse. It's good for a man and woman who are single to not be involved sexually. 
But because of immoralities, in other words, because there's these desires, let each man have his own wife, let each woman have her own husband, let the husband fulfill his duty to his wife, likewise the wife to the husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his body, but his wife does. Now, what he's talking about here is sexual fulfillment and the responsibility you have to meet the physical needs of your partner. He says this, stop depriving each other. Apparently in that church, there was a problem where you had celibate marriage. I've made that observation to you before. I see it a lot around. We see a lot of sexually active singles and a lot of celibate marriage. I had a couple in my office not too long ago, that, and, and, not, and, and they were probably in their mid-30s, early 30s, had not had sex as this couple, as a married couple, in three years. That's a long time, by the way. Okay? <laughs> Stop depriving one another, except by uh, mutual consent, that you may devote yourself to prayer, come together again, lest Satan tempt you. Here's what he's saying. I'm telling you, one of, and I've said this before, and then all of you get all bent out of shape about this, so I've got to come back and back off and change the statement. But if not the primary reason, certainly the secondary or maybe tertiary reason to marry is sex. That's the point he's making. In my, and I know this sounds so crass to you, but, but in my relationship with Susan, Susan got hit by a truck tomorrow, okay? Everything she's doing, I could hire somebody to do. Now, now, not the companion thing, obviously. The one area, the one area that I could not replace with anybody but a wife is the sexual area. He says, you stop this. You need to be sexually active. The only reason to stop is for a time where you mutually agree upon it. So now nobody's using sex as a, as a weapon here. Nobody's manipulating the other person. Tends to be women more than men. You know, when I have any sex, she's cut me off. She's working me here. Except by mutual consent to pray. The only reason to stop here is to pray. And then come together. And he said, here's the reason. If you don't, Satan's going to move in and tempt you. His whole point is, listen, because of sexual immorality, you need to be married. Now you get married, and if you're not fulfilling yourselves in sexual relations in that marriage, Satan's going to come right in and drive a wedge, and he's going to work in that system. Ladies, I'm going to give you a little tip here, and I think this is true. You will determine, by and large, the frequency and the quality of the sex in your marriage. You're the one who's holding that card generally. Okay? He's pretty much ready to go. I don't even know this guy, but I can pretty much guarantee you right about, oh, say, now he's ready. Okay? <laughs> so you're going to determine this. And here's the deal. It gets, into, it gets into this idea that we talked about, you know, in the area of just... It's an attitudinal thing where he understands this. And I think it's fairly closely related to the respect thing. We'll talk about it a little more in a second. Here's the third thing. You're going to hate this. And I do think it's really true. Um, <laughs> when I'm feeling blue, all I have to do is take a look at you, and then I'm not so blue. When I'm in your arms, nothing seems to matter. My whole world can shatter. I don't care. Wouldn't you agree 
baby you and me got a groovy kind of love. Here's what he needs. When he's with you, he needs the world blocked out. Here you go. And I know this is not politically correct. I know you're a lot, any radical feminist, sorry to be redundant, will be in here, and, and I know they aren't going to like this, but I'll tell you what he needs. He needs domestic tranquility. Let me read to you from that book, His Needs, Her Needs. Okay. You're going to laugh. You gals are going to laugh at it, but it's true, I think. So deep is a husband's need for domestic support from his wife that he often fantasizes about how she will greet him lovingly and pleasantly at the door, about well-behaved children who likewise act glad to see him and welcome to the comfort of a well-maintained house. The fantasy continues as his wife urges him to sit down and relax before taking part in a tasty meal, the aroma of which has already filled the air. Conversation at dinner includes nothing controversial. Later, the family goes together for an evening stroll, and he returns to put the children to bed with no hassle, no fuss. Then he and his wife relax and talk together, perhaps watch a little television, and then go to bed to make love all at a reasonable hour. A lot of wives may chuckle as they read this scenario, but I assure you it is quite common a fantasy for many husbands. The male need for his wife to, quote, take care of things, close quote, especially him, is widespread, persistent, deep, and I don't see it changing radically in our generation. I'm just telling you, that's true. When I used to work at Cobalt Banker, I, I, I've never been a long hours kind of a guy, but uh, periodically I'd be on a project or something where I'd have to be down there until 6.30 or 7 at night or something. Not often, but sometimes. And every time, it blew me away how many guys were sitting in the office. And I'd kind of wonder, guys, do you guys do this all the time? Are you working like this? And then I'd watch them, and I'd realize they weren't really working. Here was what they, they didn't want to go home. They were hoping that if they waited long enough, kind of all the hassle of dinner and the dinner hour and all the fighting and yelling and screaming would be done, and maybe these little rugrats would be tired enough that you could just stick them into bed in a half hour or so and not have to hassle with them, and then she needs her quiet time, and with any luck, she'll go and take a bath or something. You don't have to talk to her. By then, Frazier's on, and you can pretend you're asleep in the middle of the second one, and you got through the whole night without having to put out anything, any effort at all. And I'm telling you, guys love the idea of a place that's tranquil at home. One of the great things Susan did for me in these uh, last 23 years is make our house a home. Eliminate the hassle. Eliminate the arguing. Teach the children how to respond. When the, when, when the girls were young, it's not an issue anymore, she would say to them, your dad's had a hard day, just give him a little time. Let him watch the news. Guys need this desperately. And I know we don't talk about it, and I know it's all this other stuff, and I know it's not politically correct, and I know many of you work as well, and I'm, all I'm here to do, don't shoot the messenger here, I'm just here to tell you this is what they need, respect and love and that domestic tranquility. But rather than listen to me or Phil Collins or guess, what's God say? Ed Young says this, Only when a woman is comfortable in her God-given womanhood is she able to freely and completely love her husband and be for him all he needs her to be. What does he need? 
If we apply to this the same reason we used last week, that God says, here's the role of a woman, therefore we should have in place what a man needs most, we get this very quickly. Here's, here's what he says, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. You know it. Wives, submit to your husbands. The word means literally to line up under his headship. Let's, let's talk just briefly because it's so easily misunderstood what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that a man is superior to a woman. It's not about inferiority. Uh, it, it's not about value or status. It's about differing roles. Let me give you a great illustration of this. The Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Absolutely equal. We know this. They're equal. Equal in value, equal in status. The Holy Spirit is just as much God as God the Father is, and the Son is just as much uh, God as the Holy Spirit is. But differing in roles. The Son says, I do all that the Father asks me to do. The Son submits himself to the direction of the Father, becomes obedient. Obedient, how obedient? To the point of death, even death on a cross. Equal in status, different in role. Men and women are absolutely equal. That's not the issue. Nor is he, let me make the point again, nor is he talking about something that's in the workplace. He's not talking about male-female here. He's saying wives and husbands, in that situation, the wife submits, lines up under the authority of the husband. And I know, I, I know how hard that is. I, I think I've shared with you before. First time I ever taught wives submit to your husband, we're in the car driving home, and I said to Susan, What's wrong with these chicks that they're fighting this? I don't get this. And she said, well, maybe it's your attitude. And I said, it's not that. What else? You know, I know it's not that. It's not me. It can't be me. And she said, Tom, those are just hard things. Do you, don't you understand that? And I said, it just says it. Just do it. I mean, it isn't that hard. If it says it, we do it. About three weeks later, we're teaching Romans 13. Citizens submit to your government. And I got a little glimpse of what the problem was. Because the minute you hear, submit to your government, you want to go, what if, they're not, what if the taxes aren't right? What if the government's making bad decisions? What if, what, what if, what if, what if? Because I don't want to submit. Now I got a little sense of why the woman was going, why if he's not a good leader? What if he's not fulfilling? What if he isn't? See, our natural instinct is to fight and to rebel. That's why we're going to get at something here very, very, very important. The only reason for you to submit to your husband that we can make to you logically is because God says so. Your desire to usurp that authority leads you into spiritual battle. That's what's going on here. The very book we're in, Ephesians, first three chapters are doctrinal, very much doctrinal. Chapter 4 says this, now, because all that's true, because you're a Christian, because you've been chosen before the foundation of the earth, because all that's true, now walk, that means conduct yourself, set down a lifestyle, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. And then he begins to talk about how you do that. He begins to lay that out, and in Ephesians 5, he begins to talk about the fruit of the, or he begins to talk about the power of the Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit. As we talk about a body working together, Christians working together, he says, submit to one another. And then in chapter 5, verse 22, he now talks about the husband-wife relationship. By the way, really a mistake to take Ephesians 5, 21, submit to one another, and drag that into the marriage relationship. That's not what he's talking about. There's a clear 
change in the text. When he gets to 522, now he addresses wives, you submit to your husbands, husbands, you love your wives, children, obey your parents. Why is this so hard? I'll tell you why, because the answer is right here in Ephesians 6.10. After he's laid all this out, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly high places. Ladies, when somebody says to you, how you doing spiritually, one of the things you have to evaluate as you answer that question is, are you submitting to your husband? This is a spiritual issue. It's not me, Tarzan, you, Jane. And here you go. And I caught a little heat again on this. Will you be abused in this relationship when you submit? I don't mean in some... uh, uh, evil way. I don't mean physically. I mean, will he take advantage of you in certain situations? Yes. Yes, he will. And I'm not saying boys will be boys. I'm saying that's the, just the nature of the relationship. Just like, by the way, when I say to the husbands, love your wives, are there going to be times when she's not going to be lovable? You bet. Love her anyway. See, here's what we want to do. We want to say, well, in fact, I'm going through this with a couple right now from our church who came in and wanted to meet, and they're very concerned about this teaching right here and very concerned about my stance and the stance of the church. And they came in for the meeting, and, uh, and uh, when they did, uh, I, you know, you could see what was going to happen and pretty much understand it. He said, uh, we're here to talk about your view and your teaching on submission and the role of women. Right, honey? And she said, yes. And I sensed I had the problem identified at that very moment. Okay. <laughs> And I don't mean to diminish that, but that's exactly what's going on. And there's what they said. We have a 50-50 wet, uh, marriage. And I hear that a lot. We've got a 50-50 marriage. Well, you've got to ask a couple of them. So my question is, well, what do you do when you disagree? What do you do when you just, you're, you just disagree? Now, listen to this answer. Well, the one who feels most passionately gets what they want. Really? So the system for me getting what I want is to feel passionate and adamant about it? That ought to work real well. That ought to build a strong relationship. So we each amp the ante because we get what we want. I've had people that say, I have had a couple that say, well, he gets one decision, and then the next time there's a disagreement, I get it. So they have like a possession arrow, like in basketball right there in the ki- on, the, on the kitchen on the refrigerator. It just flips. No, somebody's got to run the ship. You ever been in a business situation where you have co-equal partners? You know what? It never works. It doesn't work. Somebody's got to have 50.0001% of it, and another guy's got to have 49.0009% of it. Somebody's got to be in charge. And here's what God says. In the marriage relationship, it's the man. And as they begin to rout bell against this, what I'm demonstrating here is that I've got a spiritual problem. Wives, if you don't want to submit to your husbands, you got a spiritual issue. Husbands, if you don't want to love your wives, you got a spiritual issue here. But since we talked about husbands last week, let's stay on the ladies here. Here's what this guy needs. He needs respect from you. He needs for you to, to communicate to him that he is your knight in shining armor, even though he's kind of clunking along as he's doing it. He needs sex. 
And I had, again, I had a lady once, and she said, said well, I'll do that, but I'll tell you what, I'm doing it out of duty. I thought, wow, you know, that'll be great. I can just, I can just hear, I can just hear her laying there going, man, we need to paint the ceiling. This will be terrific. This will be ideal. And just see how great this is going to be, you know? And I told, and, she, and I know what she's saying is, well, don't do it then if you can't do it out of duty. And I said, well, that's better than nothing. Wouldn't you agree? And he said, you bet. No, no guy's going to say, oh, no, I don't want mercy sex. No guy's going to say this. He's going to say, sure, I, yeah, better than nothing. You bet. I'm, I'm up for that one. Let's go. You know? So it's God, God spare us from a husband or a wife that's fulfilling their role out of duty, okay? Unless it's duty to Christ at which it changes our heart. I come back to this, ladies. Let me tell you something about submissiveness, ladies. I get the question. Well, because a lot, mo many, most in here have never met Susan. So they'll say, is Susan submissive to you? And I will say, yes. And they'll say, well, give me an example. And I will say, I can't think of one. Because submission, now get this, at its core is an attitude. It's just an attitude. And you can spot, you can sit, you know, I know it's, it's funny in church because I know that I'm up front talking, but people must think they're invisible or something. And, and I assume you should at least understand I can see you as well as you can see me. And I can see attitude like you can see attitude. Haven't you had that with a kid? Sure you have with a kid. They just got an attitude. What'd they do? They didn't do anything. They just got an attitude. Gals, you can come right in with that same thing, an attitude. Is she submitting? Is she respecting? Is she loving? Well, she's doing all these things. She's doing them on the outside, but inside she's standing up and raising her fist and saying, I hate this. See, it's an attitude. And I'm telling you, the problem here, gals, is you. It's not the husband. It's you. And it's your problem with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the problem. I understand. I understand how difficult it would be to submit to a husband that's consistently making stupid decisions, dumb decisions, risky decisions, bad decisions. I understand how hard it would be to submit to a guy who's not even in tune with the Lord. But you know what? That isn't the issue. The issue is wives submit to your husbands, period. That's it. Not submit to him when he does well. Any mullet can do that. That's not a challenge. Well, I, I, that's like the kids saying, I ate all my ice cream tonight, Dad. Well, we're really proud of you. How are those green beans doing? Not so good. Well, eat the green beans, you idiot. See? I submit to him when he makes good decisions. That's not submitting at all. Gals, unless you come, and, we, and we're at the end of time here, but I find a lot of ladies that want to just, well, you know, that was a cultural, and uh, you need to understand, Tom, that was in a cultural setting that was different than ours. Okay? And if you want to play that game, and you want to rip out wives submit to your husbands, then you need to keep tearing, and you need to rip out husbands 
love your wives. It's funny how nobody wants to rip out 525. Husbands, love your wives. I never have anybody who wants to rip it out. Why would you rip out one and not the other? Certainly not on biblical grounds. On your own selfish grounds. That's why you do that. Because you're a modern girl. You've come a long way, baby. You really have. You've taken rebellion to a new level. That's what you've done. It's tough stuff, and I know it is. Unless you missed last week and you're here this week and you go, oh, man, he's really beating up on the women. I'm not beating up on the women at all. This is what it says. And we did the same thing last week on the guys. This is really serious stuff. You want a marriage? You want a marriage that's absolutely the best marriage it can possibly be? Then you get a husband who loves his wife and a wife that submits to his husband. And in that setting, you can't miss. Short of that, you know what you do? You do whatever God called you to do. If you're here and you're, a, and you're married, you're a guy, you love your wife, even when she's not lovable. If you're a gal, you're married, you submit to your husband, even when the guy's an idiot. Okay? And let me point out one last time, you pick this guy. We always overlook this. You pick this person. Okay? This is the one you said, you just make me tingle. Well, the tingle's gone now, and we're going to live with what's left. when the, eh, We got a bottle of soda that you open it up, and it goes, <laughs> that's all we got left. And the only way, the only way that works, the only way that works is when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And now something happens, guys. You can love the unlovable. Something happens, gals. You can submit even when you firmly believe the track you're going on is wrong as a family. You can do it. Let's pray together. Father, help us see this. We know this is spirit. Boy, if there's spiritual warfare going on anywhere, it is clearly going on in the husband-wife relationship. God, help us try to not fix our spouse, but to focus on what you've called us to do what you've called us to be. God, let's not listen to the culture, but listen to you. I pray that as we uh, think about these issues, that you would put in our heart a desire for men to love their wives and wives to submit their husbands. Not because we want to, although we pray you would put in our heart a desire to want to do this, but because we know it's the right thing to do. And God, we pray your spirit would work in our life to such a degree and to such a point that quickly that would be our deepest desire, would be to be the man or the woman you've called us to be. Father, we pray this to you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. See you in September.